0: I'm the arena announcer for the Utah Jazz. Time now to talk about the Utah Jazz and the NBA on the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Podcast. How about this jazz? And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's meet Eric Walden, Andy Larson, and Joel Cardenas.
1: Welcome back to the How About This Jazz Podcast. I'm Joel Cardenas, your co-host and moderator. Eric Walden is out today, but joining me is Salt Lake Tribune jazz beat writer Andy Larson. So Andy, November is here, and some guys participate in the No Shave November to raise cancer awareness. Have right. you ever participated in or grown out your beard?
0: That's honestly how this beard started was a No Shave November thing, and then uh, it made my face and chin look less flabby than it did before, <laughs> so that's why I kept it. But yeah, uh, that's the origin story there, I guess, was I was like, oh, I wonder what happens when I try to grow a beard, and now I look like a 40 year old rather than a 22 year old and you know everything is everything is great
1: i try to shape i try to I say i started to grow out my beard i think it was two years ago i think i went about a month and i just i felt miserable like i just so used to just kind of like going like kind of like the chin strap and things that's what I'm more accustomed to especially when you have like you know a round or fat face <laughs> like I do, you want that uh but i tried to grow it out because i thought maybe it looked cool maybe i might go hard and ask if it really looks good but then I realized, no, I don't know how James Harden does it. Like, obviously he has a bigger beard than a lot of us, but that's just a lot of, that's a lot of maintenance. So I usually don't participate in that. You know? yeah, fair so, shout out to James Harden's beard manager, whoever it is, or whoever trims that thing, because that's, that's a lot. On today's episode, we're giving a quick recap of the Jazz's past week. We're also going to be talking about Mike Conley. He's great, but I think these past few games, especially his absence in Chicago, And seeing him against Sacramento just showed you the importance of, I mean, he's an all-star, I mean, for crying out loud, so he is important. But, you know, is he a key difference maker in getting them into getting the Utah Jazz into the finals? We'll talk about that in a second. We'll also talk about no passing and the fact that the Jazz are making not as many passes as they used to. Finally, we'll also talk about the look ahead. We'll be looking at some of the games that are coming up for Utah, including Atlanta, which actually, Andy, you're, for those obviously who cannot see, Andy is right now in Atlanta and an interesting matchup against Miami. Before I get started, let me remind you that if you want to keep up to date with the latest Jazz coverage, sign up for our newsletters at sltrib.com newsletters. So let's go a quick recap of last week's games. Jazz started off their first road trip, their first real road trip. I know they went to Sacramento previously, but their first uh, longer extended road trip, if you will, of the season. Three-game road trip. Uh, they started off with 122-91 win over the Rockets down in Houston. Bogut led the way at 19 points. Utah suffered its first loss of the season in Chicago as DeMar DeRozan led the Bulls to a 107-99 win over the Jazz. Mitchell had 30 points. He went nine of 27 field goals. But Utah bounced back the next night against the defending champs, beating the Bucs 107-95 in a really impressive performance. And lastly, the Jazz returned home and defeated the Sacramento Kings on Tuesday, 119-113 in what I thought was a very entertaining game. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. You know, it was fun to see the Jazz go up and down the court. I think, Andy, you mentioned in Triple Z, to see Donovan Mitchell be more animated, really, you know, than we usually see him
0: and playing off the crowd. That was great to see. Yeah, you know, it's funny because that was all Donovan did his rookie in second year, right? Like that was just Donovan playing off the crowd as much as he could. And really, you know, I think even in years three and four, he did sometimes. He really was kind of morose during the playoff run last year. And I think a lot of it was, uh, the pressure of the moment. And then just like that, he was in physical pain. Like I think he was trying to like grit through that rather than, and didn't have like the mental energy to kind of get into arguments with, you know, the opposing crowd members like he did in away games last, or two years ago, or, you know, try to pump the crowd up at certain moments or show excitement. It was just always like, how can I get to the next play and, and survive, right? So it's fun to see kind of like Donovan having fun again. And, and you know, I think that's one what made one of Donovan one of the league's most marketable stars at the beginning of his career was kind of that connection and that joy that he played with. And when he plays with that, I think it's, you know, it is, it just makes it more fun to watch when it's clear that the, the players on the floor are having fun out there themselves. And Donovan was definitely having fun last night. What do you
1: think as far as what with the with the road trip, I mean, the Rockets game, they're the Rockets, all the respect, they're the Rockets. They're going to be in the lottery next spring, but I wanted to get to the two games, the two, those Saturday, Sunday games. So what was for you really more, I guess what stood out to you more—the loss against the Bulls in the way that they lost, having DeRozan kind of go off like that—or the impressiveness of they bounce back the next night in Milwaukee against, given they were—you know—the Bucs are a little bit shorthanded, but still beating the
0: champs. I mean, that's what I was going to say—is that both teams. Had were shorthanded in their losses, right? Like the Jazz were missing Mike Conley against Chicago, and the and the Bucks are missing Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and you know really were out their top the three of their four top guys. So Brook Lopez as well, and, and so I'd say like ultimately I think probably the one that sticks in my mind more is Chicago, and I I don't think that that's because I'm a pessimist, but I do think that there is and has been this ongoing question of two things that the Chicago game really uh highlighted which is one how do the jazz run their offense efficiently without mike conley on the floor given that we know mike conley is going to be missing some games and 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 two can the jazz guard good guards can the jazz guard a a attack that features zach levine and demar Derozan? or you know you can go down the western conference as well and come up with all these teams with two really good scoring guards whether that's you know portland or, or you know i, I mean denver phoenix. or phoenix i mean yeah they're just it's, it's it's obvious. So, I you know I, I think to me uh, those those issues still kind of cropped up and and kind of uh, again verified this idea that yeah this team right now is you know largely pretty similar to last year with a lot of kind of the same strengths and weaknesses you know through seven games now again that doesn't mean things can't change and obviously we haven't seen the big acquisition from last year play in Rudy Gay but. That's what you would expect. And yet what was expected has happened. Right. <laughs> so yeah. like, you know, I, I think kind of like noting that this null hypothesis is true is worth worth saying, I guess. Talking about Mike Conley
1: and that kind of brings me up to our next topic. So we all know Mike Conley's and how important he is to this team. I mean, that's obvious. He's an all star. He's he's terrific. And if you watch the game on Tuesday night against the Kings, you saw how terrific, you know, he can be, especially when he's scoring buckets. He scored buckets in Memphis when he's been here in Utah it's been the times. Yes, he has. Sometimes he really hasn't. He's been more of a facilitator to Donovan to Rudy or just kicking it out, whether it's to, to Joe angles or to Boyan, but you know, I guess the Kings, he, what do you have? 30 points. So 30 points. He was terrific hitting, hitting big threes. But as you said, just a little bit ago, there's going to be times where he sits like, hopefully it's not injury. Hopefully it's just more of load management, which brings to the topic of load management. So you know, with the Jazz and having Conley out, it kind of forces, or I should maybe even just to take out the kind. It forces Donovan Mitchell to play points, uh, which will maybe what bring in Clarkson to play the two, or switch things up and bring in Angles. And if you see Donovan play, you know, obviously he, he could be terrific, but at times, you know, he, he could be sloppy at times when he's trying to. You know, yeah, he could be at times sloppy. I'm not trying to
0: diss him. I'm not trying to yeah. that, oh, but there moments. It's true. We can we can diss Donovan. There are times when he is sloppy when he is point guard. Yeah, I, as, I, think I would
1: say. Go, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say. So how do you see? Because Conley and, and look, we we want Conley to be. You know, he's a, he's an older player. Want him to be healthy for playoff time for sure. I'm sure Quinn Snyder will probably come up with something that okay, let's give him more rest time, like we saw with Chicago. So how do you see this team, Andy? Just kind of get it all together when it comes to when he's out. I mean, it feels like for Donovan, okay, that's more responsibility. That's more playmaking. Is that too much on Donovan? Is that a case where, okay, Quinn needs to change things up? How do you see it? So a couple things.
0: I things. I think in Donovan's career, obviously he's played this point guard role at, at, in the past when Ricky Rubio was out and then obviously when Mike was. At times, it has made him more focused on passing. And I think generally a Donovan Mitchell who is more focused on passing is a better player. Where you run into problems with Donovan is when he feels like the world is upon his shoulders. And, you know, very often he delivers in those circumstances. And then sometimes he misses 10 shots in a row because he's, like, frustratedly banging his head against the wall against, like, the Lou Dort or Marcus Smart defenders of the world, right? And, and and so I think we, and we saw that a little bit against Chicago where it's like, okay, Donovan, that just wasn't a good shot. You know, I think you can do more there to either not turn over the ball or to, you know, get your teammates more involved. And, and that being said, he responded in the Sacramento performance with a really brilliant passing game where he had six assists and really could have had a lot more if his teammates just knocked down open shots. So I think if you get Donovan in the right mindset, then I, I, you know, I think then the Jazz can be still be a very good team in the, you know, fifteen to twenty games that Mike Conley sits this season because you know, we don't expect him to play uh, in a majority of of back to backs or you know on one half of those back to backs. So I guess I would also say that all when when Mike colony is out that requires someone from the Jared Butler Mieoni group to step up right now and i think you know Dan Clayton over at Salt City Hoops did some really good research that basically said look when the jazz have their top 9 on the floor they're they're killing teams so far this year when they put one of Jared Butler or Mieoni in the game things fall apart or Trent Forrest i guess is the other guy who also has the opportunity to play some of those minutes things fall apart a little bit. They're like minus 30 uh, per 100 possessions. And, and so can they get one of those guys? And and quite frankly, most likely is Trent Forrest, or sorry, is, is Jared Butler is most likely. Can they get Jared Butler to feel more continuity with the rest of those top nine guys? You know, the, the nine guys that have been in the rotation and, and have played really well. So I, I believe in Jared Butler a little bit. You know, it kind of reminds me of Mike Conley's first season with the Jazz where he was really trying to figure out hey, when do I score versus when do I pass in this situation? How often do I just float in the corner and knock down shots versus how much do I really take over the situation and really own it? And, you know, I think Jared can figure that out over the course of the season, but I don't think it's gonna be an immediate kind of thing. I, I, you know, I am a believer in Jared Butler's potential as we talked about, but like, yeah, it's, you know, that is just tricky for him to figure out. And he has, as he said, I think we asked him about it in this press conference and he said hard, the word hard seven times in his answer. Like, it's just like, this is hard to do, you know, it's hard to, it's hard for me to figure this out, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think there are some real questions about how the jazz will play without Mike Conley. He is basically the, the lubricant in the machine for the jazz but I do think that there are a couple potential outs that make it that it will be okay.
1: Just a quick follow-up when it comes to uh, load management. Now that, I mean, I, I know it's only been two weeks, but Asan Whiteside has looked pretty good, at, you know, as far as just overall with, with the team and bringing in that extra toughness. And even in Sacramento, I I, I just love that, that kind of that spiciness that he brings into, because that game was spicy for sure. Do you think that him emerging as, you know, okay, he's, he's surprising here. He's obviously not this... He's not gonna get you the, the same thing that Rudy Gobert gives you every night. But do you think it gives Quinn a little bit more of a, okay, maybe I could sit down Rudy later in the season? It's obviously early on, but maybe like we get to March, you know, right before the
0: playoffs, maybe gives him more of a reason to sit Rudy for a game or two. I guess I would look at then who takes us on Whiteside's minutes. <laughs> and right now the Jazz answer to that would probably be Eric Pascal. You know, Duke, quite frankly, isn't good enough to play right now. Rudy Gay might step in and play some backup five at some point for the Jazz. But I think essentially you would look for the Jazz to answer that question to determine whether or not they can realistically give Rudy significant time off. I think probably they're not going to. But, I you know, I wouldn't write off the possibility. You know, I, I think... Rudy's young enough still that it doesn't make a ton of sense. You know, he's not one of the over 30 guys on this team. So you're, you're in a better spot that way, but yeah, I, I, you know, I I think it's possible, but there's still questions to be answered before we get there.
1: An interesting stat that I saw is that the jazz are last in the league in passes made. Now it might be a big deal, or is it something that Quinn Snyder has wanted from this team? I'm not sure. So let's ask the expert, Andy, are the Jazz not passing as much something or nothing? And if it is something, is this something that Quinn has been trying to get the team accustomed to a style of play maybe
0: in time for the playoffs? It's a little bit of something. And I actually asked Quinn about this yesterday. So I would say a couple things. One, when you run fast breaks, you just get fewer passes because the possessions are shorter, right? Like that's if you score in five seconds, like you can against the Thunder or the Rockets all the, all the time. You just don't have that many passes. Likewise, another play that just doesn't involve a lot of passes is pick and roll, pull up threes. And Quinn Snyder wants his team to take a lot of those. So if they're going under on the screen on Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley uh, or Jordan Clarkson, he wants them to take those shots. Jordan Clarkson has the worst percentage of the three. So you can kind of argue about it, especially given how he shot this season. But like the other two, you you pretty much want them to take open corner, open pull up threes because they're so good at it. And yeah, those are like zero pass possessions, right? Or maybe the one inbound pass. So like you're not getting a ton of passes per game. I do think that there are opportunities for the Jazz to pass more. You know, I think that Jordan Clarkson has dribbled the air out of the ball a few times. Certainly, I think Donovan Mitchell certainly has. I think even Mike Conley is looking for that pull-up shot more than he did in seasons past. And so, yeah, you do kind of have a my turn, your turn feel at times to this offense. And I think that's something that Quinn would like to eliminate. On the other hand, you don't want them overpassing. So like, if you tell this story to Joe Ingles or Royce O'Neal, then they're going to pass up 10 open threes in the next game. And we're going to like be very, very upset. We're going to, you know, Quinn is going to like scream at them and pull his hair out. So I I, I think ultimately it's largely reflective of the Jazz's style of play and and as such is not a problem, but it is revealing of a couple of things that I think could use some tweaking, you know, using the threat of Donovan to open up shots from Mike, passing to Rudy Gobert more, quite frankly, in the post needs to happen. And, and, you know, maybe even working out of the post for Bojan Bogdanovic to kick it out to threes, you know, I, I think there are a bunch of different ways that the jazz can get more passes involved in order to get better shots. But yeah, for right now they're, they're not passing the ball, especially well. And, you know, I think that is something that they will have to find a balance at throughout the year. I mean, the thing with passes is it's interesting, right? Like if you pass, you have a risk of a turnover but you also have a risk of a better shot. So if you're getting good shots, it's fine. I think the Jazz have gotten pretty good shots so far this year, but maybe not the best shots they can get.
1: Do you feel like since the playoffs, a lot of times we see teams go more of a half-court, there's more of a half-court emphasis a lot of times in the playoffs. Do you feel like the more or less passing, do you think by then, I guess my question is, by the time we get to, what, April, it's going to be something that Quinn Snyder has already, I don't want to say figured out, but he's had his team figure out what is best for, let's say, even teams that's you know, are play better at times in the half court, whether that is somebody like the Nuggets, um, somebody, I mean, Phoenix can definitely do both as far as run, but then also they have that big presence uh, there with Aiton, you know, we'll see with the Lakers if they decide to post up AD more, et cetera. What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I, you know, essentially a lot of it is defense dependent, right? And as we've seen in the playoffs for the last few years, the book on the jazz is to switch everything. And when you switch everything, you don't have a lot of passes because, you know, essentially you have Donovan run a screen against their worst, you know, have their guy with the worst defender guarding him screen, force a switch, have Donovan attack and try to go from there. Right. Um, Which is not like a pick and roll heavy style of, uh, it's not, you, you just aren't getting a lot of ball movement in that way because all that takes time and takes a lot of dribbles. So, I, 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 you know, Quinn did not mention that as a reason why the passes are down. You know, he did not say, hey, we're prepping for the playoffs here. He did say, hey, defenses have played us a little bit differently this year. And I think that is part of the story is like, hey, if, if the Jazz, if teams are playing drop pick and roll or blitz pick and roll coverage, then the Jazz are going to be making a lot of passes and trying to take advantage of that. But yeah, if they're switching, then you know the the best offense is you know Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell attacking that, and I you know I think it's honestly fine given how good the Jazz were offensively in the playoffs last year. I think they attack switch, switching defenses really pretty well at this point. You know, I'm I'm not that worried about it. To me, again, the question is just comes on the defensive end, but. Uh, offensively, you know, I, I think they're in a relatively good place. Could they be, you know, their top five offense in the league, could they be number one, I guess, but they just haven't needed to be. So I, I think is a small concern and it could be still small sample size either.
1: Before we get to the look ahead, friendly reminder that if you want all access to our coverage from the Jazz to our award-winning news reporting, subscribe to the Salt Lake Tribune at sltribcom slash support. Okay, so let's look at what's coming up in the Jazz's schedule and what you should be looking out for in our look-ahead segment. So three-game road trip. That's why, as mentioned, Andy is at the ATL right now. Shout out to the Braves once again. As the Jazz take on Trey Young and the Hawks on Thursday, then it's off to the Sunshine State. Jazz going to go to South Beach uh, to face Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Bayou, and the Heat on Saturday. The floor trip ends in Orlando and Sunday against the Magic. But the Jazz are back here in Utah Tuesday to take on, once again, Ice Trey and the Hawks. For me, the most interesting matchup, and I think for most people would agree, is Miami. Miami is off at the time of this recording. They're six and one. They're looking terrific. I mean, Jimmy Butler's averaging twenty five. Tyler here is averaging twenty two. Bam Adebayo's averaging twenty uh, along with thirteen rebounds. Kyle Lowry he's averaging ten. Uh, he's getting what seven point five assists. And the Heat, yeah, they're rolling. They're looking good. And for me, I've always thought of the Heat as you know that second tier in that second tier of the Eastern Conference. You know, you have Milwaukee, you have Brooklyn. Yeah, Philly there. I mean, depending on what happens with Ben Simmons and everything, who knows maybe they're still in that upper tier. If not, they just fall down. But in that second tier with, let's say, Atlanta, New York, we'll see how Chicago ends up as far as the regular season. If they're in that second tier. But it feels like Miami is now becoming the best of that second tier, if not moving up to that first tier of the Eastern Conference. When it comes to that matchup on Saturday with Miami, Andy, what is some of the things that you're looking out for the Jazz matchup to matchup? Is it an individual matchup or is it just the style of play battling each other out?
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I think Miami showed two seasons ago that they have the ceiling of being, you know, one of the best if not the best team in the Eastern Conference, right? They made the NBA Finals. And I think I, I, I'm not a huge believer in in them like this season As as that. I think essentially... Jimmy Butler got tired last year. I kind of expect him to get tired at the end of this season again with a shorter off season. Kyle Lowry's played well. And I, you know, I think that's what you should expect essentially expect from him. I think Tyler hero has been like a six man of the year candidate so far. And yet is also not going to score 22 points a game. Bam out is really good. And that's probably what he is. Right. So I think, I think they really could be like a, three or four seed in the east i'm not sure if i'm buying them as like finals contenders this year but i do think that this is a really interesting uh matchup for the jazz because a spoke coaches them so well they've always played this pretty aggressive style of defense and and the jazz have been pretty good at attacking that do they go more drop with bam Adebayo and and force them to attack that way or how does eric spolster kind of deal with the offensive problems that the jazz present is is interesting i also am curious Will Mike Conley play? And if he does, you know, kind of, do we see the best of the Jazz? I think the Rudy and Bam Bio matchup is always a good one. I think uh, Royce O'Neal actually generally does a really good job on Jimmy Butler because he's one of the best defenders in the league at not fouling. And that is how Jimmy Butler gets a lot of his points. So I feel, you know, pretty decently about that. And I think the Jazz have some defensive options against Tyler Hero too that can work. You know, it, it's Tyler doesn't really operate on quickness so much as just kind of like, slide of—I don't want to say sleight of hand. That's 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 kind of harsh. But like he is, he's a smooth scorer rather than like an athletically overwhelming score. I guess. Agree. I, mean, I think uh, you know. I think guys like Joe Ingles and, and Donovan Mitchell can have some success against that. So I, uh, you know, I, I think the Jazz will be favored in that game in the end. But we'll see what what happens with Vegas Oddmakers. But I do agree that that's uh, the most interesting game on this trip. And you know, I guess we get the Hawks twice, right? Once uh, on the road wants at home but guarding Trey, Trey Young is going to be a challenge obviously but he's had a little bit of an interesting start this season with the foul changes and and some of his maybe pet moves being taken away and yeah I you know I, I think this is a there are two games against some two good teams in, on this road trip and and how the Jazz kind of respond to that and this to me is, you know, I think two of their three toughest tests. I think both of these teams are better than the injured Milwaukee Bucks. So how the Jazz play on the road against those teams and, you know, a, a part of the schedule, it's a lot of games and a lot of travel is going to be interesting.
1: And the magic are a team in Orlando, uh, but
0: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll do respect to they
1: third a team in Orlando. They're they're they'll, they'll be, they'll get a draft pick. All right. Before we go, I do have a of beat here. That's what I'm going to call it. So a last little call it quick hit, if you will. Okay. So today we're talking essentials. And by what I mean by essentials, I mean stuff you can't live without. So recently, Donovan Mitchell sat down with GQ and he told them the 10 things he can't live without. Okay. So among them were gummy bears, Udo cards, a tablet, an Xbox controller, and a Mets hat. Those are just some of them. It's on YouTube if you want to go find the rest of them. So and a fun fact, during the interview, Mitchell said that The Office was his favorite TV show. Yep, So yep. So in my opinion, good show, but sorry, Donovan, Parks and Rec is a little bit better. And the Mets stink. go Yankees. Anyway, (laughs) that's just my opinion. I'm more of a Parks and Rec person. But Andy, inspired by this interview, I was thinking, besides a laptop and your phone, which are essentials for any road trip, and especially work road trip, what are three, let's just go with three, what are three essentials you take with you when you go on the road covering the Jazz?
0: All right. So I got this. Great backpack here filled Ooh. with all sorts of goodies. And oh. what it means is that I'm never bored or disinterested on the road. You know, I do a lot of, like, going to museums, going to whatever kind of the local interesting thing is on oh. the road. Nice. So I, I, I'm not spending, like, a whole lot of time in my hotel room. But when I do, I you know, I, I don't want to just be sitting here watching hotel TV. I want to be living my own life. So nice. I've got, we can open up, the, open up the backpack. We've got a Nintendo Switch here. Oh, with, nice. Uh, the very many of the the best games that nintendo has to offer um i've i've probably spent too much money on nintendo games over the last <laughs> years but honestly i play them hey lead it on the road i've got my kindle obviously for for reading reading the books yeah uh some w somerset mom action is the latest book i've been reading all right great, great author uh let's see i mean obviously you've got the battery pack to charge these things do you know that this battery pack here charges my macbook twice good deal oh. wow. yeah right no that's it a- uh i got a gift from my brother for christmas last year and i've loved it it's a little game boy emulator so i'm like a, it's like game boy color shaped yeah and you Play game boy you can play like Tetris on here, like one of the original Game Boy games, or you can play up to Game Boy Advance games too. And you can like download the ROMs off the internet and play, like I don't know, Pokemon Emerald or yeah. like Super Mario nice, man, or something like that. So yeah. uh,
1: overall, Pretty nostalgia I, there.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've been spending my time with with a lot of that, and that's kind of what I pack into my my bag. So no Uno cards. I do have a deck of cards in here that I'll yes. I'll pull out from time to time. But yeah, that's that's uh, that's uh my list, I guess. Yeah, like I didn't go, well, when I was
1: a freelancer, when I was a work freelancer, I did a lot of stuff just from home. So, but the few times that I did travel, I did have a pack of cards, even if I would just be playing by myself at the airport or something like that. I was just like, yeah, it's like, I think that like phone, laptop, those are obviously essentials, but I got to admit, I was one of those people that sometimes would get bored and I would just be watching hotel TV, but I should have yeah. packed more stuff.
0: No, I, I I don't know. Hotel TV is bad. Like, uh. <laughs> uh, I, like I I mean, if if I'm going that way, I'm going back to my phone and like playing either internet chess or uh Sudoku on yeah. So, um, or one final shout out is the football manager uh game on both PC and Mac and I guess iPhone as well. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I I, I keep my time busy with all sorts of, uh, I don't know games
1: let let, let me ask you this so you said you like to go to museums but what city is is the best to go to for a museum chicago new york dc
0: yeah yeah i mean i would say for museums it's dc um because you know obviously all the smithsonian museums for free is incredible Uh, you know second place new york i think is fair i think third place probably chicago yeah i you know what i found is that you can essentially find like an interesting museum everywhere so like milwaukee is a small market obviously right but they have the National Bobblehead Museum there. And for five bucks, you can walk in and see thousands of bobbleheads. And, you know, from the ones you'd expect to the ones you would not expect of like, you know, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg bobblehead or something like that, so. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think um, it's, it, yeah. I, I try to, you know, I go on TripAdvisor for all the different cities that I go to and try to find the best thing. Um, you know, tomorrow between shoot around and the game, uh i'll I'll probably go to the college football hall of fame here in atlanta and yeah so um yeah it's i always try to make it interesting and if i ever start watching hotel tv then i'll know it's time to quit and uh you know give this job to someone who appreciates it more (laughs) well hopefully hopefully that tv screen behind you then stays off then because we want you to do this for
1: a long time Always a blast talking hoops, Andy. And remember, listener, to subscribe to the How About This Jazz podcast if you haven't already. If you have, thank you so much. And remember, let your friends know. We obviously do this pod every week, either on the road, as Andy is, or from home, like I am myself. We're always going to be informing you with the latest on the jazz, giving you our takes on things. We'll be having guests soon as well, special episodes coming up and more. You can find us on social media. I'm at Sholkardas. And I'm at Andy B. Larson. Until next time, we'll talk to you
0: later. Love you, Eric.